Hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of Variable D Postulate Ensemble Projects. This is your friendly neighborhood studio man, Nick Drawsoff, bringing you yet another interesting interview. Okay, one of my motives in this show is to provide ideas to aspiring professional musicians and music students with ideas about the business and the business of survival in the music industry in the 21st century, particularly right now when everybody's kind of in lockdown. Well, this week is no exception. I've been doing some shows with EVI, EVI, Electronic Valve Instrument Players, and discussing wind synthesis. Many EVI players are trumpet or flugelhorn players who double on EVI. Uh, I am actually one of them now. Today's guest, however, completely abandoned trumpet for wind controller synthesis. In fact, he is partially responsible for the renaissance of the EV as a musical instrument. Steve Anderson has been playing exclusively EVI for quite some time now and doing some amazing things with it. He produces wonderful hook-oriented funk and jazz as an electronic, quote, trumpet player, end quote, and he has incredible flexibility of sounds at his fingertips. Before we talk to Steve, let's listen to a track he calls Sunday Night Synth Jam. Thank you. 
Well, folks, we just listened to Sunday Night Synth Jam uh, uh, with Steve Anderson on Evie, Electronic Valve Instrument. And uh, I have Steve in the Zoom chat room with me right now, uh, virtually. Uh, Steve, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you, Nick? Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm uh, hanging in there in Chicago. You're out in New Jersey right now? I'm in New Jersey, outside of New York. So, oh. we, you know, we call it the greater... Uh, New York metropolitan area because we get so much, uh, uh, we get a hard time for being in New Jersey. <laughs> okay. okay. But it's a great state. I actually, yeah. I love New Jersey. It's a beautiful state. How long does it take? Do you work in New York? Do you work in the city? Um, up till COVID, I was in New York. Um, and then after COVID, I stopped going in. And now New York's kind of in a butt rough shape right now. So yeah, yeah. It, would be, it would be about a 25 you know, mile long uh, drive or a train ride. Like That's an hour. That's not so bad. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I do when I play in downtown Chicago when, sure. when, we're, not, when we're not locked down. I haven't played a gig in a year. It's Same here. Almost about a year now since I played a gig. Done some recording. Um, hey, we just listened to that tune, Sunday Night Synth, uh, synth Jam. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me about the tune. Tell me about that. So that was a tune um, that I did. It was really an experiment that I wanted to do with three different synths. Uh-huh. So um, I'd started, you know, I, I've started doing more uh, plug-in work with uh, uh, Mac and, and soft synths. And I started on um, with Respiro. I don't, I don't know if you've checked out Respiro. It's, no, I have, I've seen it, but I have not. It's really nice synth. And then I sort of got some other synths through recommendations by, um, you know, James Ingenito, of course, you interviewed yeah. him, but um, his his partner, RoboSax, had recommended another synth called Thorn. Uh-huh. Oh, I yeah. got Thorn. And then I'd also, I also had uh, acquired uh, the Swam Trumpet. Uh, okay. Which I think you'll, you'd like a lot. So uh-huh. what I wanted to do was like, take a tune and showcase three different, three really different styles of synthesis, right? Uh-huh. Um, uh, that, that would that do different things. And Thorn is a very synthy sort of, sort of analogish, uh, but more kind of uh, sort of filtery synth. And then Respiro is like a, a sort of a reedish, earthy-ish physical modeling uh, software synth. And then Swam. Okay is a physical modeled trumpet, uh, which is rather interesting. So I wanted to take these three sounds and then make them sort of show their different playing characteristics and and then basically create a virtual jam session. Um, Okay. There are no jam sessions anymore. So, you know, we can't just run and do it. Yeah. um, And I put to that, I put it against a basic funk track. And so what I was trying to do was capture, highlight the different, strengths of the synths and with thorn you get a good synth sound respiro i did a sort of a harmonica a really dirty harmonica yeah yeah and then the swam i tried to do sort of channel my inner miles davis ish uh sort of feel because it got softer at that that section sort of and, and and syncopated and i wanted to do that to sort of show that sort of variety and also yeah. highlight with an evi what you can really do is you can really get these great different sounds uh-huh, uh-huh. with the EVI and it's, it's really liberating. So that's yeah. why I did that. I wanted to sort of make a synth jam. Okay. Uh, and uh, since I posted it, a lot of people really liked it at the forums. So now, and that, is that just you? That's all, yeah. That's all me on the horn, on the horn lines. 
Okay. Uh, is the rhythm section uh, electronic or is it your band? No, no, it's, uh, it's recorded uh, with uh, com- community recordings and uh, back, back uh, like loops, wiki loop kind of stuff. Okay. Oh, man. So like, that's a real tribute to what uh, modern musicians can do uh, to keep things going, particularly right now where we can't even talk to each, well, see each other. Uh, well, I can see you right now, <laughs> but you know, uh, uh, where we can't even get together and play together. Uh, this is, no, a, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really great to be able to, you know, with, with modern technology, you have access to musicians all over the world. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I've been doing. It's ironically, since I, you know, I'm a live player, I, I, uh-huh. I live to play live. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, with that, that's we all been, do. We all do. Yeah. That's, taken, that's been taken from all of us. And so the next best thing is working as collaboratively with people um, as much as you can. So that's what I've been sort of getting into. And I'm starting yeah. to do collaborations and, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, uh, Evie is electronic valve instrument. And once again, I've done a bit of a series uh, on this. Uh, last week, I spoke to Roger Ingram on trumpet, of course. But um, for several weeks there, I did a, I was doing programs on, on Evie and you're joining me today. So I'm kind of mixing it up now because I've, I want to be exclusively, exclusively Evie, but um, uh, so an electronic valve instrument is a double for trumpet players. And um, now did you play trumpet? Why did you pick Evie? Yeah, I started out in trumpet. Um, I started out in third grade. I started taking trumpet lessons Uh Um, in my family. We were all required to play instruments as part. It was just sort of everybody in, uh, it was a discipline that my parents had wanted all of us to be involved in uh, to learn music. It was one of those things that some, you know, so how some families, you know, they, they want everybody sort of starts on an instrument and gives it a go. Yeah. Um, and I, I, my, I ended up with trumpet. Uh, we all got to pick our instruments and um, I started taking lessons. I lived in a university town in Missouri. Oh, um, wow. University of Missouri, Columbia, Missouri. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. I grew up in St. Louis. <laughs> oh yeah so I, I played many gigs in st louis kansas city uh, yeah um, but i i grew up in this university town so i had access to really good teachers um in the, in the university system so i was able to take lessons and sort of get i didn't really like it actually the trumpet i was like last chair until uh-huh. until i but i liked jazz and big band so i joined big band and i i somehow made it despite being, <laughs> and then one day the director gave me a solo and I really, I, and I, I, I got really scared. Uh-huh. And I, so I practiced it and I did okay. And that sort of changed my game around after that. I was like, I gained confidence and I started, I went from for, I went from last year to first chair pretty quickly. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And I started taking the instrument much more seriously. And then I kept going on through high school and I played in big band and state bands and then moved in, then started gigging at age 17, 16, um, just started picking up gigs. You know, the first gigs trumpeters usually get are like church gigs, uh, Uh uh funerals and weddings yeah, yeah. and for processionals and things like that. But I started, you know, funerals were kind of a bummer. (laughs) So I I started doing, uh, about 17, I started getting hooked up with college guys Uh and Uh started doing jam sessions and, and local like rock blues, funk gigs. And uh, just kept going on playing in the instrument, the university system, and playing in big bands. And then I ended up in D.C. Uh-huh. The trumpeter, um, 
But at the University of Missouri, I, one day I picked up, um, I got a call. I was My trumpet was getting sort of tuned up. You mm-hmm. know how when your trumpet gets all grungy and you need your valves to be all cleaned up? and Yeah, and, yeah. Because it just isn't, your trumpet's not working that great anymore. And so I take it in and it's getting fixed. And the guy calls me back and he's like, hey, your horn's done. But you know what? This really cool instrument came in. Uh-huh. And, it's, and it was a it was a Krumar EVI. Huh. And we and, and by the way, it's EV EVI. You can call it either. Uh-huh. About, about uh, one out of two people call it EV. <laughs> okay. Two, two out of uh, 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 the other two call it EVI. Okay. But I picked I picked it up and I was like, this is really cool. I've always, I'd always had this like I've always liked guitar. Like uh-huh. Uh-huh. me too, me too. And synths and, you know, like blazing synth solos, like Jan Hammer, you know, all those guys. So I, th- I thought this is going to be a really cool adventure. Um, and it's and it was it's supposed to be a trumpet controller. And so uh-huh. that's how I got into uh, EV, EVI. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I sort of started playing that while I was playing trumpet and it became a side thing for a while. Yeah. And I, I quickly realized I had a lot to learn all this, like, like I had hoped all this trumpet, like, Oh, I'd be, it would all transfer over. You know, uh-huh. there would be a huge uh, transfer of, of trumpet credits over to EVI. Uh-huh. It, it didn't transfer as much uh-huh. as I thought. Yeah, yeah. I quickly found out I had, there's so much I didn't know about like amplification and synthesis. And then, so it, it was another lesson where I had to start learning how, yeah. to, how yeah. to use this instrument, but you know, don't get me wrong. Um, the fingerings help uh, and the muse just having a background as a trumpet player and, and being able to use, to blow, use breath, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that the, having those concepts are, are useful for, I guess, EVI, but there's, yeah. there's this acclimation period. Yeah. With, yeah. Yeah. And I think you're going through that now based, I know you're in my group, my face. Yeah. And you're, you're asking great questions and I think you're, you're seeing that now yourself. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> there's a cha- there's challenges to this instrument, right? Uh, it's funny when I was talking to I forget who I was talking to was either James uh, or uh, Eric Bolvin might have been. Um, well, I was asking them about do trumpet players not necessarily flat to the EVI because they perceive it as cheating somehow? You know that you don't have to use their chops. Um, <laughs> The, the, I, what what I found when I first started trying to play this thing was the um, yeah you don't have to use your chops and you can p- cover seven octaves without without a without a cracking a sweat but you got to learn to use your left hand in a way uh, to control the uh, the octaves and the quartal thing uh, that you normally do with your lips and uh, uh, that. Learning how to master that thing is really tricky, uh, and yeah. so it more than compensates from the, for uh, any perceived cheating that uh, not using a top. So you, you're going to have to learn to master this thing. Yeah. Well, I think I've been told I've been, I've been to gigs and where there's some people said you're cheating that I was cheating, <laughs> um, but and which I think is funny because apparently we're supposed to you know as trumpet players we're supposed to suffer. Yeah. Um, I'm supposed to suffer the, the 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 curse of the chops, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and as a trumpeter, you know how hard it is. To yeah, how much work it takes to maintain chops uh-huh. uh, throughout a long period, and and the, and to keep endurance and those things. Um, but I don't view it as cheating. In fact, I found it harder 
with EVI, it's actually the, what happens is there's a paradigm shift Uh and it goes from a physical shift on trumpet. Trumpet's very physical. Uh Athletic, Uh, athletic. Yeah. Yeah. You're thinking about the physicals with trumpet. Like I can't recall, like at every trumpet gig I played, I had to think about my lip and Uh how I would conserve my lip energy. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Whereas with EVI, you don't have those um, physical restraints as much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I was playing with EVI. I could play gigs, nine hour gigs with, yeah. without, without any problem. But the challenge was mental with, e, with EVI because I had to manage seven octaves. Yeah. With, yeah. Figure out what to do with it. And also, you know, depending on what you want to do with it, you have to learn certain sort of uh, control um, flir- flourishes and things that, to be able to make a variety of sounds that you don't have to do with trumpet. So mm-hmm. your so your sound palette is so vastly expanded that you have to all this energy, mental energy goes into trying to create and make these sounds work in the songs that you play. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a total flip from yeah. trumpet. And that's why for me it was weird going between trumpet and EVI. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would, I would play trumpet. Hey, you know that was my home instrument. I felt great. I play EVI a couple solos, but then when I went back to trumpet, it would felt like I was coming back from space. <laughs> <laughs> and the gravity yeah, I like that. I came like that. down on me with, you know, and, and I was like, oh. it was, it really reminded me how yeah. how hard trumpet was. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, uh, I had to, I had to sort of mentally disconnect from trumpet. And eventually I quit trumpet altogether and not yeah. because I love trumpet. I, I do love trumpet. I think mm-hmm. it's a beautiful instrument and I love the players, you know, um, it's an interesting instrument and the players that play it are always interesting too. Always <laughs> but when I felt I, I was getting more gigs on EVI, I was getting much more work yeah. on yeah. EVI than I was on trumpet. And I just found the EVI to be so liberating and so interesting, such an interesting direction to go musically that, um, and I was like, you know, doing other things too. And, and the, just the cost of maintaining your embouchure, I, I had to sort of, a, I had to decide what I could spend time on and what I couldn't. And trumpet was just sort of, that I couldn't make that investment. Yeah. I decided, yeah. I decided to sort of cut my losses and put all my time into sort of pursuing EVI. Yeah. Um, and it's it a hard choice because, you know, you get, you get a, you get sort of emotionally attached to instruments that you spend a long time with. But um, I finally sort of, I slowly faded out of trumpet and uh-huh. then, and, you know, you get to the point where you just haven't maintained your chops and you're like, no. You, okay. <laughs> you know, so I, I moved over to EVI. Yeah. It was actually changed the way I played EVI because getting away from trumpet in a way, um, although there's many great trumpet players that play great EVI too. It just allowed me to view the sort of focus on the EVI exclusively and not sort of go between these different paradigms yeah, yeah. of how the instruments operate and work. And they're totally different. So yeah, yeah. that's how I moved over. And it's, I think you're going to see that as you go down this journey as well. <laughs> okay. It'll be, it'll be, it's interesting and amazing uh, to get started on it. I got, I got to tell you, I highly recommend it. Um, we just again. We just listened to Sunday night synth, Sunday night synth jam, um, and what I liked about that tune was it, it was hook oriented. Uh, I like funk and I like hooks, um, 
and I thought you really made good use of the EV, uh, EVI um, you know, with those hooks and how you play them. So I, let's, let's listen to another track, um, Running with Juno. Tell us about Running with Juno. Well, that, that was another lab experiment I did. So, I, you know, with for me, recording's a lot of fun. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm trying to learn something with recording. For one thing, you know, with with these synths, you sort of have to play around with them. So this lab experiment, it was with um, Cherry Audio's DCO 106 plugin. And this was a plugin that uh, a guy who's on Facebook, a guy named Sean Johnson, uh, had recommended to me. He'd done some really cool demo recordings with it. Uh-huh. And, I, and I liked how it sounded. So I got it. It was like a $30 plugin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's, it's from, it's the old uh, Juno. It was a Juno 106 clone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I started playing with it and I, I was like, you know what? I think I'll do, I'll record it. It's got a really nice vintage eighties kind of sound. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's sort of the brassy Juno sound, you know, you probably remember the Juno 106. Yeah, uh-huh. Many of the bands you were in. Sure. Sure. So I started, uh, I did this song. Got a worked with some guys to get a backing track, um, and it kind of the backing track reminded me of an old song, uh, the old Bobby Cod- Caldwell song. Remember uh, what you won't do for love? Yeah, yeah, great mm-hmm. song, right? Bobby uh-huh. Caldwell. It was like it was like sort of a seventies or eighties staple back in the day, mm-hmm. um, and so I I played sort of played uh, I made up my own melodic line. I tend to like to be a I'm a melodic player. Just uh-huh. that, that's where the hooks and the things come in. Yeah. Um, and I like to sort of mix, you know, I, I grew up in that Grover Washington Jr. era. Yeah. Yeah. Or of the groove soul kind of uh, area, but I like to mix jazz and soul and, and I was in blues bands and I kind of did that here with this. Yeah. Yeah. At the end, I added some like a sort of like a vocal sound in the background to give it sort of a vocal quality, which makes it kind of sound like what you won't do for love a bit. Uh-huh, and, I, uh-huh. and I quote what you won't do for love. At the I end. heard that in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just fit. And it's always fun to make a quote. The reason why I like, you, you don't want to overdo quotes, but quotes are fun because it, it, it sends a signal to listeners and it can often evoke responses from listeners. Yeah. Make yeah. them think of something in the past, like the song. So it, it's a useful, actually a useful uh, performance tool. Yeah. So, one of my favorite trumpet players, Clark Terry was like the king of quotes. Was uh, he? Oh man, he would quote tunes, uh, three or four go by and he go, what happened? What happened? What just happened there? And then he, I love quotes. Yeah. yeah. That's a jazz. Uh, it's a jazz thing. And, and there's like a joke, there's jokes about it, how some people can overquote, but to yeah. me, I think it's really, to me, it's a great learn, like a skillful way in which you can insert. It's almost like a mashup technique where you can insert a song into another song. Yeah. yeah. And to me, that's a, that's a, that's a great ear skill. Yeah, yeah. For improvisation. So I, I actually like it. Just I have to I have to check myself every once in a while. Don't know. <laughs> well, let's listen to Running with Juno's. Uh, Running with Juno.
lot of great hooks in that tune. Uh, I really enjoyed listening to it. Um, Thanks. Now, Stephen, you um, have been involved with bringing the Eevee back. Can you tell us about that, uh, about what brought that online? The, how did the Eevee get lost and what's bringing it back? Well, it's the, there was always people playing it. Um, but what happened was their supply has always been limited. Uh-huh. So uh, Akai didn't make that many of them. Many uh-huh. of them, you know, um, I think they had a pretty, sh- it wasn't that big of a run. It was the only commercial run. Yeah. Before yeah. that, it was Steiner making like uh, either through Krumar or through small batches through his companies, Steiner <laughs> Parker um, or Handmaids. Um, so there, there's always been a low supply, which has made it difficult. So you had to get them used yeah. or you got the Akai. And then later, um, Niall did a very limited run with the MIDI EVI. Um, and that was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and that was the last one. That was the last sort of modern EVI. And many years go by and I'm sitting around and I'm looking and I'm watching woodwind controller after woodwind controller come out. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping, Oh, some, maybe someone will pick up the EVI or maybe Niall will make another EVI, but, they're hard to make. Yeah. And um, we were, I just think we, I was seeing brass players sort of forced over to a woodwind kind of controller that, yeah. would, that could do a fingering of like EVI. And I just found that, I found that to be a compromise. I didn't like, yeah. I, yeah. I felt, I felt how, you know, it's a great instrument and how, you know, if people don't have, if we don't, if someone doesn't start building more, EVIs, um, then the instrument's going to, is is at risk of dying out. Uh Um, That's just like it would be for any instrument. If, if all these trumpet makers stop making trumpets yeah, yeah, yeah. and no, and, and there was no, and there was few people to repair them, then you'd see, you'd see a reduction in trumpet players. Now Mm -hmm. that, of course that's trumpets. There's many manufacturers, but there was no manufacturers for this instrument. Yeah. So um, I sort of, was catalytic in sort of like raising the alarm on it uh-huh. um, and worked with the community. It was a very community driven thing. We sort of worked together to find a maker and that maker turned out to be a gentleman uh, from Sweden who you uh-huh. purchased your uh, recent new EVI from. Right. And it was just sort of a, you know, a, a bit of luck on my part. I guess I'm lucky that I, I was able to find, a person who valued the instrument enough to see it as worth per- preserving and uh, got yeah. into it. And he sort of started a business around it and he's, he makes really good uh-huh. instruments. I mean, I think, I don't know what you think of your new EVI, but it's a, they're beautiful. It's very solid. And I'm super very impressed. Superb. Yeah. It's a great instrument. And to me, that's, that's what we needed. And there's more EVI players now than there ever has been. That's great. That's great. So I, I'm happy about that, but I'm mostly happy to have a new EVI that is going <laughs> to be able to compete with the newer EWIs and newer controllers out there. Yeah. Which is, I felt we were getting left behind and someone needed to take on the maker role and, and hopefully we'll grow the EVI ranks and get other people like you to find, see it as more people yeah. adopt, uh, adopt it. And uh, and the instrument will live on for a long time to come, and that's my goal because I really think it's a great instrument uh-huh, uh-huh. for trumpet for trumpet players for a variety of re- trumpet players who 
for, you know, in some cases can't physically play trumpet anymore. In some cases it could be uh-huh. due to physical conditions, teeth uh-huh. issues, jaw issues, et cetera. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, we need these kind of alternatives and this is a, it's probably the best brass style controller ever made. And I think it's one of the only, so well, the worst one, thing. one thing that I'm excited about is having as a double, you mentioned earlier that you liked, uh, hearing guitar players and the uh, ability to, to um, uh, kind of cop that kind of a solo. Um, and the e, the EVI is perfect for that. I've been a big fan of Michael Brecker for a long time. Oh, who isn't? He's, and, he's, um, yeah, he's huge. And um, what was amazing was when he picked up the Ewe, the saxophone version of the uh, electronic uh, MIDI, wind MIDI controller, um, was uh was one I got hooked on it because um, he would he unabashedly would play Ewe and then switch the tenor, switch the Ewe, switch the flute, switch the Ewe, switch the tenor. It wasn't it was just a double, and uh, it was an amazing double that made his concerts just remarkably um uh the the very the variations he could get was amazing, and that's that's what I'm impressed with. Um, now you mentioned not playing trumpet anymore. Uh, the next track I'd like to play of your work, uh, is a thing called love song. Um, did I hear flugelhorn in there? You did, but it's not a real flugelhorn. Yeah. Okay. Tell us about it. Um, so love song is, that's a, that's a song by the cure. It's okay. like, it was a it was a band I think out of the I think an eighties band nineties band yeah um, that I'm the group I'm in my bass player really liked it my bass my bass player was wanting to do a version of love song because uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know it has a hook it has it has a <laughs> it has a particular hook. hook that's really recognizable mm-hmm. the guitar hook and what's nice about that hook is you can really play around it and it it the vocals on that are, and by the vocal version, it's a real sedate vocal. So uh-huh. the idea here was I, I was doing this minimalist sort of thing where I wanted to take this, just use one synth yeah, and, yeah. and use an old synth that I had. And so I, on that, I actually used the VL70M by Yamaha. It's an uh-huh. old, old physical modeling unit um, that was really brilliant that Yamaha came out with. It was a, called, under the VL series. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And one of the patches on there is a flugelhorn patch, uh-huh. and there's also a, a soprano and a soprano sax patch. Oh, um, and I thought the flugel would be a really great sound for that song because the vocal was so sedate. And flugel is kind of a sedate brass sound uh-huh, uh-huh. if you think about it, right? It's really mellow, and and certain yeah. players really got that sound. If like like Mangione had a super super sweet sedate. Uh-huh sort of yeah. flugel whereas if you heard maynard ferguson play flugel to me it always like it's hard to tell the difference between his <laughs> yeah, trumpet maybe. and his flugel <laughs> he didn't play flugel much when i was on the band he picked yeah, yeah. up once in a while and we go i was like, I, I go, like what? is that trumpet <laughs> yeah. his flugel sounded almost trumpet like but but certain people like james james and Janito, for instance plays a beautiful flugel yeah um so i decided to give it a try and i i like actually emulating instruments um yeah yeah. Just because there's a challenge to it and they sound good. So what I did here was replace the vocals with um with the uh, instrumentals to give it that sort of 
it, it sort of and it automatically, of course, makes it sound like smooth jazz. You know, uh-huh. Any, uh-huh. anytime <laughs> vocals with uh, a horn, it, it sort of smooths it out. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it worked yeah. out. I thought it, it worked out pretty well. Yeah. Well, let's listen to Love Song uh, with Stephen Anderson playing the electronic valve instrument.
Steve, you, you mentioned um, that uh, you were getting more calls to play Evie than you want to play trumpet. So you eventually moved over to Evie exclusively. Uh, one of the things that I like to include in my uh, discussions uh, on this uh, podcast is the idea of what it takes to survive as a professional musician in the 21st century. Um, and uh, I, I like to, I hope that uh, a lot of my listeners are, are younger people who are studying music somewhere. I do like to promote in the um, uh, music education uh, uh, groups on Facebook and places like that. So um, uh, how would you advise? Um, well, uh, let me back up. Um, in the context of having moved over to an electronic instrument, which is very technologically 21st century, uh, how would you advise young musicians who are in college right now considering um, uh, going into music professionally? What would be your advice to them? There it is. <laughs> well, there's two, there's sort of two prongs we could talk about. One is like in general, going into music um, professionally is one thing. And then going into it with a wind controller is another, but okay, yeah, I'd yeah. say I'll start with the first, just in general. Um, it depends on the music you want to get into. Obviously for my, the music I liked, which is um, soul blues, jazz, funk kind of stuff. Um, I suggest you get it. The most important thing is, getting out of academia and going out into the public and playing the jam sessions. Okay. Um, school is one, don't forget me wrong. School is great, but school is also a bubble. Uh-huh. It's not, doesn't rep, it doesn't reflect real life. Um, although some schools are better than others at emulating, it's sort of emulating that feel of being, you know, of what it's like to be a musician. Uh-huh. But I think the best thing to do is go out to jam sessions and start interacting with other musicians um, okay. and be heard and learn in that way um, and learn how to specifically also learn how to play by ear. Don't rely, sort of get off music for a while, get off reading the sheet. Okay. Um, and, and to me that, to me that I feel like you can get really sort of bogged down by the sheet and yeah. you know, I got to the point where I don't even, most of my gigs, I, you know, except for some heavy reading gigs, I could all do by, you know, ear yeah, uh, completely. Yeah. And I think that improves your playing when you're, when you're not distracted and you have it all up in your head, it's, I think you're going to play better. You can perform better and entertain better, but you're also going to meet people um, who are going to want to hire you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because if you're interesting, someone will hire you to play for them. Um, and from there, you learn the ropes uh, of being a paid musician, working with others, negotiating for your own pay. You learn the economics, right, of yeah. being yeah. a musician. You learned, you learned that. Um, okay. Do they teach in school? Do they teach you like gig pay negotiation? I, I don't think I don't recall <laughs> being taught that in in uh, in college. Um, and then from there, paths open up for you as you, that you walk down musically. So, uh, the most important thing though really is to have fun. I mean, it's, yeah, music yeah. should be fun and, and, and play or work with people that you like and respect, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, especially people you can learn from, right. And everyone you're, and sort of be resigned to the fact that you'll always be a student. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're lifelong students and we never stop being students. Um, and so that's the advice I would give people to be get into if they want to get paid to play music and, you know, go on the road. Um, also learn to like 
bad hotels, <laughs> uh, uh, how to how to fight bed bugs in cheap hotels. That's a that's a good skill. Learn where yeah, to eat. yeah. Eating, right. eating cheap. <laughs> like, um, there's there's a bunch of other uh, things you'll learn uh, when you start going on the road mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that you learned that I learned. Um, and then all my, but my biggest advice is have a backup plan too, because like, just like being wanting to be a professional athlete, not everybody can be, uh-huh, uh-huh. not everybody will be, or can be a professional musician and they might be better suited. You know, you might take your musical direction and other things like recording or, um, sometimes live performance, it, the, the wear and tear of live performance is not for everyone. So have a backup plan yeah. and have other skills be able to pay the bills mm-hmm. um and that's just the, the hard cold reality of it. um now for for wind controller for those getting into wind controller who want to play it professionally my approach was to be a swiss army knife type of okay. player yeah. and was to play the things that needed to be played that no one you know utilize the vast power of synthesis to fill in those get play those like the play the organ hits if there was no organ player uh-huh, or uh-huh. play the horn section stuff and, okay. and, and, or fill in a sax part, flute part, trumpet ish part, and do your best to sort of fill in those air, those gaps to help the band sound better. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other, but if you're like, like if you're a Brecker level guy, who's like God level jazz saxophone <laughs> and iwi player then then you can go a different you could be make it a solo voice thing okay. um and that's another direction you can go uh-huh. which is to have your, what's called um signature voice which is when you have a unique sound that's recognizable okay your, yeah, yeah. Your, your own wind controller sound that's sort of like very genomic to what how you play and people could recognize hey that's nick playing evi because uh-huh. i can recognize that sound yeah, that's yeah. that's another school sort of direction you can go uh-huh. but to be honest they're all good approaches and you should have a little bit of both so yeah yeah but i really like the broad to me the the appeal of controllers like the evi is it, i can be do all these things that i couldn't do on just trumpet yeah yeah um and to me it's very interesting and and i'm sort of i tend to my mind tends to wander so i like variety I want to, I like the challenge of playing a guitarish lead sound or doing a, a, a string section or doing something that's not being done that can add to the overall effect of the music. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's fun about it. Yeah. One of the things that amazed me about Michael Becker, I keep, uh, <laughs> we're talking about you, but Michael Becker sort of uh, uh, laid the groundwork for a lot of us. Um, yeah. um, was he, I remember. The first time I saw him do this was at uh, Orchestra Hall in Chicago. Uh, he was there with Herbie Hancock, uh, Roy Hargrove, and uh, I forget who else. It was an amazing band. But at one point, he was out there by himself with a couple with a computer and some uh, uh, sound modules, and he started looping things on the fly, live looping. And after a few minutes, he had a whole band going all by himself and he played a 15 minute set alone and then turned it into chameleon, Herbie Hancock's chameleon. Mm-hmm. And once, and once they broke in that, ba- once he broke in that bass groove on his, uh, E-Wave, the place just erupted and the, the rest of the band, they were off the stage. The rest of the band came out and started up on chameleon, but Brecker had just done a full set by himself 
live looping. Have you done that sort of thing? Uh, have you uh, embraced uh, live looping and performance? Um, not not so much in performance. I've dabbled in looping. I vastly prefer to play with real musicians uh -huh, uh -huh. because looping, even, no matter what you do with looping, there's a static nature to it. That okay. said, that said, there's guys like Matt Venuti who are doing amazing things with looping, and of course Brecker, um, and where you can just build up sort of things and i i've done looping in like recording settings live okay. is it live is a really is a real art and it takes yeah. a lot of work so that's that's almost another school you know another martial art if okay. you will of the wind <laughs> controller playing yeah, yeah it's another dojo skill <laughs> that you get in in this sort of field when some people are really good at it brecker was really good at it because he was messing around with logic and and using loop you know doing looping and and uh he, he could build up these incredible jams but you know not everybody's a brecker i mean that guy was a phenomenal <laughs> like he was a super rare to me a super like way on top of mount olympus yeah, you know, yeah. But, and that's why he inspired not just saxophonists he really he inspired all musicians it's true um, that's and he true. was and he you know even evi players yeah yeah he, he was super influential on uh, just because not because he was a sax player because he was just his musicianship yeah was yeah. so intense and at such a level that um you can't not be inspired by him but i yeah i would looping is a lot of fun if you want to get into it you know start with a simple looping pedal there's there's a couple loop things and you can multi-track loop pedals and you can sort of start doing it yeah but it's it's harder i think than most people think because oh, there's, yeah. there's a timing aspect so i have one here and you're absolutely right i uh, right. if if your foot comes out at the wrong time to close a loop you got a five four loop it's one it's, one, it's four, fun four. it's it's something i should probably get into but again i really love the conversation between fellow musicians yeah yeah on stage yeah. to me that's that to me is what is really endearing to me and yeah. musically and and that's what i miss you know during the pandemic the most yeah oh man with my, oh, my oh. musicians yeah well let's listen to another track here because uh we're getting to the point where we're about done with the program um the next tune that i thought would be nice to hear would be frank's fish fry tell us about that tune okay so yeah frank's fish fry um <laughs> that was another that was i did that actually to to demonstrate this plugin that I worked on. I don't know if you heard about this plugin that I worked on recently. It's called EV Einer. I have one. I just bought it. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. It's, oh, good. It's super cool. <laughs> it, so I was working on EV Einer. I, um, I met up with this guy named uh, uh, Davidson Carpenter. And the guys in my group, this was before you joined, they were all sort of waxing about how great the Krumar sounded and uh -huh, uh -huh. And the old synth, the old vintage analog synths, and I, I started thinking, you know, it'd be cool if we made a, if I, if if someone could make a plug-in, uh, like the old Krumar. And then I ended up running into somehow. I guess that's I'm lucky again. I ran yeah. into this guy Davidson Carpenter, and he, I told him about it. He was interested in. He was making synths, and he had a synth product out there for wind controllers called WindSynth. And he, I told him about uh, the Krumar. And he got interested in it and we struck up a good relationship and we started working together. Um, and he bought, he sort of bought into the value of it mm -hmm. and, and he started doing it. He's like, I'll do it. So I started working, you know, we worked a few months on it 
uh, and and I worked with him. He's super talented. Um, yeah. he, he deserves yeah. all the credit. Um, <laughs> I sort of like product managed it a little bit with him, and I I like did I recorded things from the Krumar, sent mm-hmm. it sent it his way, and he ended up making the the plugin, and and it, it sort of exceeded my expectations. His talent was amazing, yeah, and yeah. what 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 came out what I thought was really great, very useful, easy to use plugin for especially for new players. Yeah. Um, and people who like analog style, analog, virtual analog synthesis. Um, and that's, a, that's what I did with, with Frank's fish fry. What I was thinking of is I used, I, I, I called it Frank's fish fry because I used to have a gig in Washington, DC uh-huh. at a barbecue joint called, <laughs> called the old glory where I played uh-huh. every, every week, every week uh-huh. I had a house gig uh-huh. and every, every week. And uh, behind me, we were, we'd be right in front of the grill. And you'd hear the the ribs. They made like barbecue ribs, and uh-huh. you could hear those the fires, the ribs cooking behind us as we would play. Make like, me hungry, man! <laughs> like oh, it was good. It was good barbecue too. But it was like soul and funk going on, and then with with the grill and, and the smell of barbecue. So I, I what I did was I used this as an opportunity to sort of test the Eviner. And what I uh-huh. wanted to do was I used I used Respiro with it. Respiro is a super the the breath response in Respiro is amazing. Uh huh. And so I thought, well, this is a good way to test it. I want to, you know, that's, an, it had a, it, it sort of set the standard. Respiro kind of yeah. set the standard in breath feel. What what Itai Weissman refers to as zero, starting at zero. Um, <laughs> okay. And you want sense to do that. You want that full range. with breath. Yeah, yeah. So I use, I sort of put together this sort of really funky, sort of a really uh, synthy track, sort of using, Eviner on two tracks and then Respiro to do sort of a wah, a wah-ish sound to interact with it. And that's how I got sort of Frank's fish fry. It just reminded me of those old, those old gigs where you play and it's sort of greasy, like a greasy uh, fish fry. Yeah. Okay. And funky kind of thing. And uh, it, I thought it worked well because the, the way it sort of the Eviner worked well with the different con- contrast with the Respiro. So it was sort of testing it out. And I was going. I was trying to see if if Eviner would uh, sort of work well with it, and I think it did. How do you like it so far? Oh, I think it's fantastic. Uh, uh, we'll talk more about that in just a second. But sure. let's give a listen to um, Frank's fish fry. Was once again with Steve Anderson playing the electronic valves. <laughs> Bye. 
Now, see, one thing I, I do like all the hooks and I like all the um, uh, all the uh, variants in your solos on, on this instrument is, is really amazing. Um, one thing you've mentioned a couple of times, uh, several times, are plugins. And for those listeners who are not uh, real knowledgeable about all this, uh, a plugin is an application that uh, you buy um, for um, your computer that you can plug into your recording software. Um, yes. I use Logic Pro, and uh, I bought I bought the Eviner, uh, and I have that in there. And I recently went to Patchman, uh, Matt Trom, and mm. I bought his uh, ES2 patches. Oh yeah. And, and between the Eviner and the ES2, uh, I I am. I feel, I feel like I'm uh, lost at sea. There is so much stuff in there. It's, it's like a kid in the candy store. You can really have a lot of fun with this. But the, this is uh, virtual synthesizers. These are things that, ex- that live on the computer, so hence plugins. Um, I have this, I only have two hardware devices. The, the, I have uh, an Uno and a, um, uh, my iPad. I have a Moog D. Uh, application loaded. Oh, that's a great one. That's yeah. a great and this, great and between those four items, uh, I'm going to be uh, occupied uh, for a long time learning how to play this. But thanks, Fish Fry. Once again, was that all just you, or was there the band there? Uh, no, there were some musicians behind, obviously doing the rhythm section. But the all okay. the, all the other voices, like the organ hits. I think I used Thorn in there as well for an organ hit. Okay. Um, okay. I find, you know, I find with with wind synthesis, you can do again. I'm going back to my Swiss Army approach, uh-huh. but you can add little accents and things, and little the little things make a big deal in these recordings. Yeah, yeah. and and little things do count. So you, that's the great power of to me of synthesis. Um, but I do all the lead, the mel- the melodic lines, the sort of the the, the swirls on the synths. Um, and then if you then you mix you got to mix it you know how you got to take it and work with the sound and shape it yeah yeah from there but um, yeah it's all EVI um, yeah and that's yeah. more this is more of an analog sound that I'm going for mm-hmm. um, which I'm getting more and more into because you know I started out with it, analog sounds but sort of now I'm sort of coming back again to them more um, and it was again to sort of get a feel for this plugin that I was working on with this uh, with Davidson yeah, um, yeah. so I think it, it turned out pretty well. Um, and I like the way I like the sound. A lot of people like analog because it feels it's very yeah. Analog is there's like it's there's a school of people that they like analog because it doesn't sound. It's not trying to sound like something. For instance, uh-huh. um, okay, yeah, I got you. I got you. You know what I'm saying? Because there's 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 schools again. It's like my dojo analogy, I guess. But there's there's also this school of wind synthesis where you can you can that's the goal. Uh-huh. In fact, in a lot of gigs that I got paid to do, I was required to sound like something specific. Okay. Um, where yeah, there's yeah. a freedom with 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 analog because of you can get such variety and fluctuation, you're not confined. Um, yeah. And yeah. that's it. And you have a certain different sense of freedom. Uh-huh. Um, I like both, um, just because you can gain different skills. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, Nick. For years, like when I started playing EVA, I couldn't stand the sound of a trump a trumpet sound that was sin- oh no i, I, I still can't <laughs> yeah but it's funny i couldn't either 
And for years I couldn't. And then only until recently when I did uh, that love song thing, uh-huh. I noticed that I, that, that had gone away. And I have, I like, I actually like, I can, I can play those sounds. Now. Well, I thought it was a full going. I just thought it was a full going. That's yeah. And that, well, really thank surprised. you. <laughs> well, and I, I guess I did my job. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I couldn't it, in the, in the past, that didn't sound like a flugelhorn to me. I had, okay. tr- I had trouble with it. Yeah. Um, and that's because I was still very connected to trumpet. So yeah. um, that's the thing you have to mentally be aware of is um, though we have these sort of pre we hear things yeah. based on what we currently play and do and, and sort of dealing, overcoming, like overcoming that is uh, one thing, but sort of understanding that that's why it sounds a certain way is sort of uh-huh. a critical part of being, getting to know these wind controllers. Yeah, yeah. What have you discovered as you've, you've got into it recently is, have you found what's, what's strange to you and what's, what's native to you? Um, not much of it. I uh, would call it native to me, except for the fact that the, the basic fingerings uh, are mm-hmm. familiar. Um, what I'm intrigued by are the uh, pins next to the valves, uh, the inverted valves and the, the first the valve button is down a step. The first valve pin is up a set. So, uh, yes. okay. Those we call those trill keys. Trill keys, yeah. Um, I, I don't think of them as trill keys. I think of them as a new fingering. Um, yeah, you, you can. And I have been playing around with uh, doing patterns uh, with with those things in there. Uh, and it is, it's pretty amazing. Uh, uh, one of the guys I spoke to recently was Jack Kramer. Who's a master at using the troll keys? Oh, as, he is. Yeah, he picture. really has this. He's amazing. And um, I've been watching him a little bit, and I've been thinking, okay, I can figure that out. So, so that's you know, a that's a new thing for me. And of course, the um, the canister, uh, twitching the canister, so your fingers roll across the octave rollers, and the quartal key. Um, yeah, uh, it's that is taking a huge amount. You know, I'm not a very good piano player. So mm-hmm. using using my left hand, I feel <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm trying to I'll walk and chew gum at the same time, and it's not working out too well. <laughs> you know what helped me with the canister was sort of imagining it was a wah, like a uh-huh. a, a wah mute at the end. Okay, yeah. So, but 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 in a different way. Whereas I was I was sort of I was holding the bell of a trumpet, and then uh-huh. but I had to do like I had to play the mute. I had to do uh-huh. something to get, and, <laughs> and that's how I was able to put together the le- the left hand with the right hand. Yeah, because the, obviously you know the lip the lip is not doesn't matter as much on EVI as it does yeah. on trumpet. Yeah, and that yeah. that was the big that's the big problem. That's the big shit. What I call the big jump uh-huh. is that your lip, this thing you relied on so much to to change the partials uh-huh. on trumpet and octaves and everything. Yeah, is not that critical anymore uh-huh, uh-huh, it's uh-huh. now it's more now your your left hand is doing this stuff yeah, yeah yeah and then and that once but that comes quickly for most yeah. people and once you get that down you you'll and you work on what we call the breaks which is yeah that's which what is, I'm working which on is right the, going from the b flat to this to to the c uh-huh. right yeah, work yeah. on those like the, each one of those big breaks. And what yeah, I call yeah. the big breaks are the ones where you probably have to move your index finger an octave and uh-huh. then something else, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you get work on those breaks, and then it all it all it's all downhill. Yeah, it's there. it's coming, but you know, basically, I'm putting a couple hours a day in on this to, to uh, try to get going because I'm uh, 
I look I'm forward determined. to hearing uh, your. I want to hear some of your stuff. Well, uh, I, I want. <laughs> I, I people can be critical, so I'm going to wait till I'm ready. So I'll be you know patient. <laughs> you know, I think you'll find that people are really supportive. There are always critics uh-huh. out there, and you're, there's, you know, and that's. I think as trumpet players and as musicians, you know, we're used to criticism. Yeah, it, just, it sort of comes with the game. There's always. <laughs> Um, but, a trumpet player, heck yeah. <laughs> yeah, trumpet players are brutal, right? <laughs> yeah. But I think in wind controllers, people are pretty supportive. Cool. And especially EVI players. We're, you know, everybody's at different levels. And everybody, some people, there's a lot of new EVI players coming in. And I think you'll find, for the most part, the vast majority are going to be really supportive. So don't be afraid. Okay, I'll be, I'll, I'll be bold. <laughs> be bold, yeah, be bold. And then, you know, and, and, and obviously, I, I enjoy hearing all EBI stuff yeah. just because it's, you know, we've all been there. Yeah. Um, I and I hear there's, you know, I don't know if you've heard this in the group that you're in that with, with me, there's some really good players. Like, Oh man. Yeah. John Swana, James Ingenito, uh, James Barella. Yeah, Brad Mason uh, pulled to that thing. That, Brad um, Mason. Oh man. Um, there's, there's a whole bunch of people uh-huh. in there that are, are really good. So yeah. Yeah. Too many to list, and so forgive me for not listing them all. <laughs> so many great players. Um, yeah, we'll get we'll get them in there eventually. They're really good, but I think you'll enjoy. You're in good company. I, oh, guess, I guarantee uh, you. And it's going to be great to it's going to be great to have you on. Well, thank you. <laughs> and this uh, doing this. Well, anyway, uh, we've been talking to Stephen Anderson about the electronic valve instrument and the music business. And ladies and gentlemen. It's been a really pleasure, uh, great pleasure to be able to uh, talk to this gentleman. And Stephen, thanks for being with me here tonight. It's my pleasure. I was uh, thrilled to be able to talk to you. All right, man. Well, listen, it's great, uh, great seeing you. And maybe we all get back to playing music together uh, as soon as we can. I hope so. Thank you. Have a good night. All right, you too. Once again, I want to thank Steve Anderson for talking to me tonight. I thought he had an immense amount of information to share, and I'm so grateful to have a chance to get this out to you. I hope you learned something and enjoy his music. As always, please feel free to go to the archives of past shows. All of them feature musicians from all walks of life, and they share their experience with you. I'm sure you will learn a lot from it. Well, this has been another episode of Variable D Postlet Ensemble Projects. This is the friendly neighborhood studio man, Nick Drozov, saying, don't stop the music. Peace.